His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. What's up, L.A.? Welcome to episode number six of the L.A. Courtside Podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, and I am your host, L.A. Ray. And of course, every episode, we talk about the Lakers, we talk about the Clippers, we analyze both teams, and I also go around the NBA to talk about other players and other teams to see what's going on. Uh, Obviously, in this episode... I'm going to start off with the L.A. Lakers in the game that they had last night. You want to call that game a debacle, meltdown, collapse, a disaster. I was on Twitter last night as that game was going on, and some of the fickle L.A. fans was calling it a lot worse than that. But did you check out the lyrics of the opening clip the song I just played by Eminem. Just just to give you a few words of that particular clip. He says, he's choking how. Everybody's choking now. The clocks run out. Time's up over blow. Snap back to reality. It's pretty much what happened last night with the Lakers. Just snap back to reality. And for you, 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 you fans on Twitter, just pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. The Lakers are not going to win every single basketball game. And anytime you're playing the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry is on the floor, Golden State's going to have a chance to win that game. That's just just the bottom line, man. Anytime Steph Curry is out there, the guy gets out his bed shooting three-point shots. My my brother-in-law, Brother Smith, just reminded me today that Steph Curry is – only 12 or so three-point shots made uh, in his career behind Reggie Miller, who's in second place behind Ray Allen. He got game. Jesus Shuttlesworth. Curry is about 400 made threes behind him. What's so impressive about all of that is Curry has done his in 12 years. Those other two great players have done theirs in 18 so again, anytime Curry's on the floor, there's a chance. So the Lakers, you know, they lost the game 115 to 113. They had a uh, 19 point lead or so uh, in, into the third quarter or late second quarter or something like that. They had a 14 point lead uh, in, in the fourth quarter. And basically, Golden State just got hot. The Lakers pretty much, I would say, I would use the word complacent because in the first half, the Lakers were balling. They were balling. Schrader, 25 points for the game. AD, a double-double, 17 points, 17 boards, 7 assists. Have you all noticed that AD's um, passing has gotten a whole lot better? Maybe Mark Gasol is uh, uh, teaching them a thing or two about passing, but his passing has gotten a whole lot better. He also had two steals and two blocks. LeBron James, though, uh, you know, a pedestrian game. For LeBron James, 19 points, five rebounds, five assists. Uh, he was only two out of seven, however, from the three-piece land. Uh, 
And as a team, though, the Lakers were nine of 29 from outside the arc. So that's going to have to get uh, uh, better, obviously. But again, as far as that game goes, uh, pump the brakes, fans. Uh, even coach, you know, Frank Vogel, he said after the game, we just got outplayed. We simply got outplayed in the second half. And that's pretty much it. You know, you can call it a meltdown, a disaster, or whatever you want to call it. And and and, and other than Steph Curry, you had uh, Kelly Oubre. And this kid talks a lot of trash, man. But I, I like seeing him play. He's not scared of anybody. He made a three-pointer in Montrez Harrell's face right in his mug. Blew him a kiss after that. Got a technical foul after that, though. But he's letting the league know that he's not scared of anybody. Uh, in the second half, the Lakers just simply could not stop the pick and roll. Draymond Green had nine assists. Uh, many of those were to uh, Steph Curry. And they just couldn't, you know, they just couldn't stop him. So, again, you know, that, that loss, you know, brings the Lakers down to 11-4. Uh, and four. You know, still in first place in the West. Clippers close on their tail at... 10 and four. So they're like a half a game back. So, you know, Laker fans, you know, don't worry about this one game. You know, there's no shame in losing the golden state, you know, again, especially if uh, Curry is out there playing, but uh, as I was listening or not listening, but uh, watching the Twitter uh, feeds come through in the, in the first half, the boy, the, the fans were just drinking the Laker Kool-Aid, that purple and gold Kool-Aid, man. Everybody was a Hall of Famer in the first half. Schroeder just came out on fire, showing all the fans why they picked him up in that uh, uh, deal. And uh, AD was playing. Trez and Kuzma, man, they combined for 32 points, 18 rebounds in that game. So it wasn't like the Lakers were playing like chumps. You know, they scored 113 points. That's what they're averaging on the year. But in the second half, their their defensive intensity just uh, just decreased for some reason. Their perimeter defense was not as good. They weren't closing out on the threes, you know, like they did in the first half. Steph Curry was not killing them in the first half, but man, in that second half, that kid caught fire, man, and it was lights out. It was lights out for the Lakers. Uh, Wiggins for Golden State, he started hitting threes uh, again. Kelly Oubre going to the basket, hitting threes. Driving on people, dunking on people. Kid got some game, man. You guys haven't watched Golden State? Watch Kelly Oubre. Kid is an up-and-comer. So, you know, again, to the Laker fans, don't worry about it. You know, it's no sweat. They'll come back. Their next game is, I believe, Thursday against the Milwaukee Bucks. And they should be able to handle them. One concerning thing is that all four of the Lakers' losses have been at home in the Staples Center. You can say, well, they have no fans or anything like that. So um, it's really even on both sides. But still, you're at home. You got that home cooking. You're not standing in any hotels or anything like that. So um, that's kind of concerning that they've lost all the games that they lost have been at home. But uh, not even worried about that, man. Uh, LeBron James, eh, he'll pick it back up against Milwaukee. You know, even a king can have a bad game every now and then. And we look at his stats, you know, just on the surface, 19 points, five rebounds, five assists. Man, us mere mortals would love to have stats like that. But coming from LeBron James, yeah, that's pretty pedestrian. And and his two for seven from uh from three piece land uh was not his best effort. So 
All the Lakers need to do is just regroup, uh, pick up that defensive intensity again, and um, and let's just go out there and ball, man. I'm not worried about the Lakers at all. As I always say in all these episodes, I'll keep preaching it. Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference Finals, baby. Not even worry one iota. Not one iota. Uh, some people on Twitter are wondering why THT, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's been the new darling of the L.A. Lakers, he did not play last night, coach's decision. So not sure what's going on there. Uh, his last couple of games, you know, he's played pretty well, you know, when he's been put in there. Uh, but this particular game last night, for some reason, he did not play. So I'll watch that, uh, how that develops moving forward for the rest of this season. Um, some of the, some of the Twitter posts last night were, were epic, man. They first have, they was ready to put Kuzma and Schroeder and Trez, put them all in the hall of fame, AD, the King in the second half though, man, they were ready to trade them all. You know, I, I, I saw a tweet. Well, they were ready to uh, trade for Kevin Porter Jr., who's getting ready to be let go by Cleveland. They say, wow, we should get Kevin Porter Jr. You know, maybe he can help us out. No, we don't want Kevin Porter Jr. We don't want that headache. Uh, I know LeBron James got a little perturbed when uh, KCP uh, turned down a three-point shot in the corner. You know, he was wide open. James dished him the ball, and he turned down that shot. KCP, you got to shoot that pill, baby. You know, you wide open like that, man. You know, the King is expecting you to shoot it. I know Reggie Miller commented after the game, or, or maybe it was during the game. He said, man, if I was on the Lakers and and I got the ball from LeBron, and, you know, after he then drove to the basket and drew the defense and threw it out to me and I'm behind the arc, I'm firing that pill up. That's what the Lakers have to do. Shooter also uh, turned down a shot uh, down the stretch there uh, in the fourth quarter. And then the Lakers in the third quarter had a bunch of turnovers, which is kind of unlike them as well. But, hey, that's the NBA, baby. Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry. You know, if you ain't on your game, you know, that kid is going to kill you. And they're playing right now without Klay Thompson. So they're still a formidable team. So, again, pump the brakes. Laker fans, pump the brakes. Get off the ledge. Don't worry about it. The Lakers will be okay. dun 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 well y'all know la ray really loves that song hey in my next segment here i'm gonna talk about a couple of things uh gonna talk about how nba teams become enamored with pure athleticism of some college players and they get drafted and it comes back to bite them a little bit and also talk briefly about how well uh some of the rookies are playing so far this year let me start with Kevin Porter Jr. I just uh, mentioned him in my first segment. Saw on some Twitter posts that some Laker fans wanted to uh, bring him in because word around the NBA, of course, is that Cleveland is looking to get rid of him. So just a little background on Kevin Porter Jr. for you L.A. sports fans know that he played one year at US USC. Uh, coming out of high school in Washington State, he was somewhere around the 14th, 15th, 16th best player in the country. Six foot four guard can jump out of the gym. Physically, physically gifted player. But even in high school, he was he was pegged as being a very, very immature player. He was the first five star recruit 
that came to USC since DeMar DeRozan. So kid has some talent. You know, in high school, when you when you when you're that physically gifted, you, you know, just naturally you're, you're going to be better than most players on the floor. But once you get to college and then definitely the NBA, uh, sometimes it takes more than athleticism uh, to be successful. So the Porter got to Cleveland last year. He played he played OK. He averaged 10 points per game, uh, but he still had that immaturity tag uh, in Cleveland. And uh, this year it has reared its ugly head. Uh, there was an incident when Porter came back from personal reasons. Uh, something about him coming into the locker room. They moved his locker somewhere else in the locker room. He got upset. He was throwing food around. There's that uh, immaturity. And uh, he's been having clashes with the coaching staff pretty much the whole time. So Cleveland is ready to cut bait with this guy. And I only mentioned him because, you know, a lot of a lot of players uh, when they're in college you know, they have that physical gift. They can they can run, they can jump out the gym. You know, a lot of them may not have the fundamentals down like, um, you know, good shooting stroke or they don't play much defense. But teams just get enamored with that physical ability that they have and, and looking at highlights per se and just looking at guys and running up and down the gym and just dunking on people. Uh, it's going to take more than that in the NBA for uh, for uh, young kids to be successful. But Cleveland, you know, seems like they got stuck. Uh, you know, they recently picked up his uh, $1.8 million contract option for the year 2021 and 22. So now they're stuck with that contract. No team is going to trade for Kevin Porter Jr. where they can simply wait until he becomes a free agent and try to pick him up that way. Cleveland paid a huge, huge price in just moving up in the draft the last year, uh, last 2019 draft, I should say, to draft Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, he was drafted number 30, um, which, which was a pick that Detroit originally had. And Cleveland gave up four second rounders to Detroit plus $5 million in cash to move up to number 30 to draft Porter. And Cleveland knew very well the history behind Kevin Porter and the troubles that he had in high school and the troubles that he had at, um, at USC. But they wanted to take that chance. Again, they were enamored by the, by the athleticism. And, and, you know, when you saw this kid play at USC, I mean, you, you see the talent there. You know, left-handed guy, he could shoot a little bit. You know, wasn't the greatest shooter. But uh, you can see that if he was coached properly and he received that coaching, that even his shooting would improve. Defense was okay, but he was a guy that can easily get into the lane, uh, jump over people, uh, run a fast break, excite the crowd. Uh, you know, he was one of those type of players. Almost kind of remind me of uh, Harold Miner a little bit, Baby Jordan. Only Porter, you know, Porter's a left-handed guy, you know, unlike Jordan, of course, but kind of reminded me of that type of player. So Cleveland took that chance, and now, you know, they have to live with it. They're either going to keep him on the team and uh, try to work with him, but word around Cleveland is that uh, they have pretty much given up on him, and uh, he will no longer be a Cleveland Cavalier. So I'm sure um, whether they trade him to a team and pick up that some of his salary uh, or let him walk as a free agent, 
and someone will pick him up. So he's one of those type of guys that you really, you know, you really uh, pray for and hope that he, you know, he comes around. You know, that immaturity, he's, he's going to have to, uh, you know, start listening to the coaches and um, start being a professional. You're in the NBA now, man. You know, you're not in high school anymore. You know, you're not in college anymore. You know, he's still only 19, 19 or 20 years old, so he's still young. So there's still room for him to improve, you know, mentally and, and uh, improve his uh, maturity. And again, act like a professional. So we'll see what happens to uh, Kevin Porter Jr. down the line. I hope he uh, succeeds. I really do. You know, you hate to see a young player um, waste this type of opportunity. You know, playing in the NBA is a privilege. It's not a right. So uh, let's hope he gets it together. Uh, the next topic is this year's crop of rookies. And who's the leading candidate for like rookie of the year? I have about five players. Just briefly touch on real quick. Uh, Anthony Edwards. Of course, he was the number one player taken in the draft, averaging around 12.5 points per game. He's only shooting 37% from the field, though. Um, I'm thinking that will improve. If you watch him play, um, he's not scared of the moment. He's only 19 years old, um, you know, playing for a bad team in Minnesota. Uh, one of the things about him is um, his passing ability uh, seems to be a whole lot better than it may have looked at uh, Georgia. He was a decent pass passer at Georgia, but now that he's in the NBA, it looks as though that part of his game has gotten better. So Anthony Edwards kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, there's definitely room for improvement. He will improve. He's a very, very athletic kid. I remember a game uh, last year against Michigan State um, when Georgia played Michigan State, and he erupted for like 27 points in the second half or something ridiculous like that and was killing Michigan State. Plenty of plenty of athleticism that Anthony Edwards possesses. So he's playing okay. You know, again, room for improvement there. Uh, Mellow Ball, I touched on that in one of my previous uh, episodes of the L.A. Courtside podcast, averaging 11.8 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 6.1 assists. If Mellow Ball was playing 40 minutes a game, he would average a triple-double. This kid is phenomenal. And when Charlotte is on TV, I'm watching uh, he's coming off the bench right now. You know, Terry Rozier is playing pretty well for Charlotte. So, you know, there's no real reason to have uh, Melo Ball replace him in the starting lineup. It may mean that Rozier may be on a trading block somewhere down the line because when fans come back to the stands or to the arena, they're going to want to see Melo Ball, no matter how well Terry Rozier is playing. You know, Melo Ball is the, the ticket. You know, he's the show. That's what people are going to want to see or or that's who the Charlotte fans are going to want to see when they come to that arena. So mellow ball, all the, the, the fancy passes. I had my doubts about him uh, coming into the NBA. You know, how would he mess with his teammates? He, he's a very, very confident kid. And it seems like, um, you know, he's getting the respect of his teammates right now. So uh, mellow ball playing pretty well right now. Uh, finally, a draft pick. From Michael Jordan that's really really working out because he hasn't had that much success in drafting players in the past but this one I think he hit the nail on the head next couple of players both named Tyrese by the way Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers 
averaging 11.4 points per game. He's coming off the bench right now, really, really a spark plug uh, coming off that bench. Again, another kid that's only like 19 or 20. You know, these kids are young. You, you're drafting these players, um, you better know what you're getting because, you you know, you may end up with another Kevin Porter Jr. But um, Maxi, you know, the only thing about him is he doesn't get to the line that much, meaning he, he probably should drive to the basket a little bit more. I mean, he has that that type of quickness, that type of speed where he can get to the basket and dish to his teammates or or get to the rack and, and, and put the shot up himself. Other than that, you know, he's he's playing pretty well. Good draft pick by the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the other Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton. There's going to be a lot of teams in the NBA that passed on this guy. I think Halliburton was picked somewhere between 12 and 16, somewhere in there. Um, the, the guy plays like a seasoned vet. He's averaging 11.1 points per game, 5.3 assists. He has like an unorthodox uh, outside shot. But, hey, he shoots the ball pretty well. Shot goes in. That's all that matters. You know, Mellow Ball has an unorthodox shot. You know, hey, as long as the shot's going in, you've been shooting it like that since you were a kid, then uh, then that's fine. Uh, Halliburton's teaming up with De'Aaron Fox, and that's going to be a backcourt that's going to give other teams hell for a long time. And, and this guy, I mean, he, he just he's just he's just seasoned already, unflappable type guy. You can tell by the way he um, he plays the game, the ebb and flow of the game. Seems like it comes easily to him, and uh, he's going to be a fixture in Sacramento for for years to come. And again, all the teams that passed on him, they're gonna they're gonna regret that. They're definitely gonna regret that down the line. Uh, the last player, James Wiseman, Golden State Warriors, another young kid, 19 years old, averaging 10.7 points per game, six rebounds. Here's a guy, everybody knows the story of James Wiseman, of course. He went to Memphis. I think he only played in like one or two games, uh, something like that. You know, uh, hooked up with Penny Hardaway on the AAU team. And, you know, who knows what went on. Don't know if any money changed hands or anything like that. But um, uh, did not play any more games at Memphis. And uh, drafted uh, in this 2020 draft, number two overall pick. Um, another kid that's going to be really, really good. You can you can just see the talent oozing out of this guy. Seven foot tall. He can run up and down the court like a like a gazelle. Uh, he can block some shots. He can rebound. His mid range game uh, so far hasn't been great, but he's like one of those guys that's he's real teachable. You can you can tell he listens. If you saw that game Golden State had against um, the Lakers when they came back and beat the Lakers. Uh, you saw in the middle of that game where uh, Wiseman did something wrong and uh, Draymond Green just came over there and coached him up. He he coached him up. Draymond Green could be a coach one day, by the way. I digress from this topic. He definitely could be a coach. But And Wiseman was sitting there listening, you know, intently. Here's a kid that wants to get better. And the teammates, they love him. You know, the fans in that uh, Bay Area, they love this guy. As long as he keeps improving, as long as he keeps listening, listening to his teammates, listening to his coaches, uh, you're going to have a superstar somewhere down the line. Kid is oozing with talent. So of these five guys, though, as far as who do I think is going to win a rookie of the year, uh, it, it would be between Mello Ball and um, Tyrese Halliburton. But right now, I'll give the edge to Mello Ball. Again, if he played 40 minutes a game, he would be averaging close to a triple-double. 
kid's just an exciting player, man. And, you know, he's not scared of the moment, not afraid at all. Uh, he would be my choice for rookie of the year uh, for this 2020-2021 uh, NBA season. So down the line at the end of the season, when they start giving out all the awards and everything, we'll we'll see these five uh, players be in the mix for rookie of the year. But again, Mellow Ball would be my choice. fans LA LA fans my last topic of this episode would be a rumored trade we love those trade rumors right this one of course involves your LA Clippers and the trade rumor is this I've been hearing this on the internet hearing this on the internet doesn't make sense does it seeing this on the internet and also listening to a lot of sports talk shows and things like that uh, so this rumor is picking up some steam and the way it would work out is this. The Chicago Bulls in this particular trade would get Patrick Beverly or Lou Williams, young Terrence Mann. And in return, the Clippers would get Thaddeus Young and possibly a second round draft choice, which we all know the Clippers can use the draft capital for sure. Now, the reason for this trade, if, if the Clippers is uh, willing to make a trade such as this, is they need some some help, I believe, in the in the front court. You know, they have they have Serge Ibaka who who came over. He's playing pretty well. You know, you have Nick Batum and uh you have Zubak coming off the bench. But since they've lost Harold, Trez Harold, it seems like the Clippers are missing something. Not saying that those other guys aren't tough or anything like that, but I believe they need someone um uh, such as Thaddeus Young, someone with Plenty of experience. Thaddeus Young has been in the league for like 14 years. You know, he's definitely a low post threat. He's uh, he's an aggressive rebounder. Throughout his career, he's averaged around 13 points per game and six rebounds and shooting 50% from the field. You know, not mind-blowing numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but a 14-year veteran, and you, you, you pretty much know what you're going to get for him. Um, Patrick Beverly. I mean, the only thing that scares me about this trade is if you trade Patrick Beverly, L.A., who's going to be your starting point guard? Now, we know Lou Williams is not a point guard. He's not going to come in there and start at point guard. Um, that leaves you with who else? Reggie Jackson. And that scares the bejesus out of L.A. Ray. I'm telling you now, if, if Reggie Jackson is their starting point guard down the stretch, uh, you're going to see the real Reggie Jackson. Now, he's been playing pretty well coming off the bench this year. He started even a couple of games. His turnovers uh, seems to be uh, or has decreased. Uh, I remember, again, with the Pistons, um, he was like a turnover machine. But if you gave him starting minutes, I don't know, man. I, I, I'd i be very, very nervous. Um you know, Patrick Beverly throughout his career, he's averaged like nine points per game. We all know he's a, a pesky defender. He's probably he's like the heart and soul of that team. Really, really, really tough player from Chicago. But he's he's kind of limited offensively. Um, he'll hit some threes every now and then, but, you know, his offense is not consistent. 
Reggie Jackson, on the other hand, he's one of those type of players. Now, if he gets hot, if he gets on a hot streak, he can actually score in bunches. Reggie Jackson can score. It's just that, you know, a lot of times he has this helter, helter skelter. Is that a word? Helter skelter style of play on the court. And you just don't know where it's going. So I don't know. Do you, you know, trade Patrick Beverly and give the keys to the car to Reggie Jackson? Do you try to find another point guard? Uh, I've been advocating the Clippers to try to go after Derrick Rose of the Pistons. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have the, you wouldn't have the Derrick Rose, the MVP Derrick Rose of the Chicago Bulls. But last year for the Detroit Pistons, he averaged 18 points per game. Started, he didn't get injured. Um, you know, they had a little load management on him, but um, he still was a very, very good player for a bad Detroit Pistons team. So if they're going to do something like that, I would rather, uh, if you're, if you're going to trade Patrick Beverly, I would rather have Derrick Rose or somebody of that ilk come in and be the starting point guard as opposed to giving the keys to the car to uh, Reggie Jackson. Uh, the salaries, if this trade was to get pulled off, you know, Thaddeus Young makes around $14 million per year uh, through next year. Patrick Beverly makes the same through next year. So the salaries sort of match, sort of matches. So, you know, maybe that's why Patrick Beverly's name is mentioned more so than uh, just Lou Williams. Lou Williams is around $8 million a year. But I don't know, L.A. Clip fans, um, you know, go, go to Twitter. Go to Twitter. Let L.A. Ray know if you like this deal or not. Thaddeus Young coming to the Clippers for Patrick Beverly and also Terrence Mann. I forgot to mention Terrence Mann would be included in that trade to the Bulls. Young player, second year player, um, you know, unpolished right now. Um, you know, he, he can fit in right there with the Bulls and, and, and the Bulls have, a, you know, a good young team. You know, they got Kobe White over there who's playing well. Um, they got Laurie Markkinen, Otto Porter, Wendell Carter. You know, they got a pretty good team. You know, Terrence Mann can go in there and, and they'll possibly get a little bit more playing time. So so what do you think about that, Clip fans? Again, Patrick Beverly. You be losing Patrick Beverly. Heart and soul of the team, the pesky defender. And bringing in Thaddeus Young to help in that front court. You know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Sometimes Kawhi Leonard actually plays the four a lot of times. But, you know, in a regular season that may work. But in the postseason, I don't know. So, you know, would I make that deal? Actually, I probably would. Um, I would just be so nervous as who you're gonna who's gonna replace Patrick Beverly at the point guard position. So again, that's the rumor floating around uh the NBA rumor mill as far as trades go involving the uh the LA Clippers. With that, we have to leave it right there. But first of all, I'd like to thank the Basketball Podcast Network and my producers, Isha Jerome and Dylan Kaiser. But most of all, I'd like to thank you fans of L.A., L.A. sports fans, best sports fans in the USA, baby. And thank you all for listening. Before I go, though, I just want to let you know the music that you heard today. Uh, the intro song was by Eminem from Detroit, Michigan, baby. I think you all know by now I'm originally from Detroit. You see a theme here? A lot of my a lot of my music are 
from artists from Detroit, music capital of the world, baby. Eminem, one of the best rappers that ever lived, no doubt in my mind. That second song in the middle you heard was called Aqua Boogie by Far- Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, that group was uh, formed by George Clinton, who's originally from New Jersey, but he relocated to where? Detroit, of course. And he formed that band. He was ahead of his time, you know, a funk band, a psychedelic funk, they called it back then. Funk rock. You don't hear music like that anymore. George Clinton, Aqua Boogie by Parliament Funkadelic. And then last but not least, the last song you heard was Jam On It by a group called Nucleus from Brooklyn, New York, back in the early 80s. Jam On It was the jam back in the day. When that song came on, everybody went to the dance floor. Nucleus, Brooklyn, New York, early 1980s. And with that, L.A. sports fans, again, thank you so much for listening. And until episode number seven in a few days, peace.